In March 2000, the eighth-seeded Wisconsin Badgers rushed through the rest regional, defeating Arizona, LSU, and Purdue to claim the Badgers' first Final Four appearance in more than 59 years. Though the Badgers' Cinderella run ended with a Final Four loss in Indianapolis to Big Ten foe and eventual national champ Michigan State, that Wisconsin squad helped elevate the Badgers, long a mildling Big Ten program, into a March Madness regular. Wisconsin would make the big dance every year over the next 17 seasons, including two additional Final Four runs under Bo Ryan. Today we're going to discuss that memorable 2000 Badgers run with the team's leading scorer, 6'9 forward Mark Vershaw. We're going to seek to understand how an 8-8 eight eight Big Ten team, one that never cracked the AP Top 25, one that didn't feature a single all-conference selection, not even an all-honorable mention all-conference nod, defied the odds and captured a spot in the 2000 Final Four. Mark, thanks for joining us here on the 1999 podcast. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate having me. So, Mark, we're going to you know, really start here how we begin so much here on the 1999 podcast, and that's talking a bit about how you first got involved with the game. What's your basketball origin story? Well, um, you know, if my first love was baseball, and I was, you know, uh, I thought that was going to be my sport uh, when I was in upper elementary school. But uh, thankfully, I had a, it came from a public uh, school K through eight, small. I think we had about twenty five people in our class all the way through. But one of my classmates, one of my friends, is uh, was Jason Jenkins, who played. He ended up being six nine as well. He played on Valparaiso uh, and was on there for Bryce Drew and the the miracle shot. He was on the that team, and so he really was basketball, and he got me into it. And I started about fourth grade, and things that I really fell in love with the sport. One was how much uh, you could do to improve your game just by yourself, uh, you know. And the other part that I really loved was uh, you can play all positions. You know, in baseball, I, w- I think I may have ended up to be an average or maybe a slightly above average a high school pitcher. That would have been about the extent of my abilities. But you, you, that was the only position. And, and with basketball, you got to – I, I love the fact that you can play all positions uh, and, and really get better – uh, just, you know, with yourself in the hoop. And, and the area that I grew up in, I was thankful because Peoria basketball, and I'm biased, but I think during that stretch run from 1990 to early 2000, it had the best basketball per capita in the country. And we had guys that not only went on to play in college and play in high majors, but really make significant impacts on their teams. Uh, and a lot of them were in the Big Ten. Uh, and I think that's what made it unique. And it really brought competition. Like our local high school schedule was brutal. And we, you know, my senior year, Peoria Manual was the number one team in the country. Uh, and so it was it was a great area to be a part of. Uh, and I was fortunate. We were blessed. You know, Jason Jenkins was, went to Valparaiso. My point guard in high school was uh, named to the all-decade first five for Division Three. won the national championship at Illinois Wesleyan. So... Uh, it was it was a great time, and, and it was a basketball-first community, and there was a lot of competition uh, on, on a daily basis there, both in the season and the off-season as well. You know, you mentioned you could play a bunch of different positions, though, but I would imagine, were you always a tall guy, and were you just plucked and put? Because now the game's so different. I would imagine yes. as a tall dude, you were just like, okay, this is where you stand. Yes, it was uh, I, uh, I entered into high school at six eight, uh, but I was about 165 pounds, so it was it was not a not a uh, wasn't a physical presence when I stepped onto the court. But I loved it. I loved Magic Johnson. Loved Larry Bird. I loved that pass first and being able to uh, do multiple things. Um, I thought maybe I could you know get a rebound and bring the ball up the court in college, but uh, one time of that, Coach Bennett said, "No, we're not, we're not doing that." <laughs> But I had to, I had, it was a different game and I had to figure out a way to, uh, you know, play with my back to the basket. And that was uh, easier in high school. But when you played against, you know, there's a lot of good shot blocking centers in the Big Ten and uh, you had to learn how to be creative. I think if I went through the game now, I would have just passed all that up and learned how to shoot the three a lot better made life easier (laughs) yeah definitely definitely uh you know so you you know and you end your high school career i mean you're a top 50 national recruit um you're not far you know peoria is not too far from the university of illinois Mm -hmm. campus and both your parents are illinois grads and you know doing some background you i think there was also a girlfriend in champaign at the time too so given all that (laughs) how did you end up at wisconsin 
Well, <laughs> well, that girlfriend is, has been my wife for 22 years. So uh, that's, uh, it was tough. Illinois was my dream school uh, from, from the time I started. Both of my parents went to Illinois. Uh, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, was two years older. She was at Illinois. Uh, her parents went to Illinois, and uh, it was a dream of mine to to play there. Uh, but uh, it was an opportunity to try to make a decision on what was the best fit for me. And that uh, was difficult because when you're 17, 16, 17, that's hard to do because there's a lot of voices. you know. And Wisconsin was nobody in my circle uh, promoted Wisconsin. That was not the school I had. People are trying to say, you got to go here, you got to go there. Um, but I had to look at it, what was the best fit? And Illinois went through a coaching change. Uh, Coach Henson was there. He came to watch me play. I thought that was who I had a chance to play for. And then I thought the assistant coach, Coach Collins, would get the job. But then when that didn't happen, the coaching change came in and Coach Kruger came in and they had 11 scholarships in two years. I think there were six in my class, five in the other. And I had to look at that and say, none of these players in the current roster are going to be my teammates. What kind of team am I going to be with? And I had a feeling that it was tough. Uh, it was tough to say no to Illinois, uh, especially when they, one of the last times in my official visit, they brought me in and they, they had the jersey up there. And that's, you know, that was hard to see and say no to. But I, I knew that that what they were moving towards, and, and I had a feeling I could be wrong, but I think they were more interested in me as an attempt to try to keep in-state talent in their first recruiting class more than what I could bring to the program. And they didn't lose any sleep when I didn't sign because they had uh, Archibald, Brian Cook. They had, they signed talented fours and fives. Um, but for me, I looked at that and I said, you know, I, I it wasn't the right time, which is it's a, it's because I think uh, potentially I, I would have played – uh, for Coach Henson and, and Coach Collins, I, I think Coach Self, uh, I think there's the timing of it just wasn't right. And it, but it was very difficult to, to walk away. But I, I went through the whole recruiting process. So I, I took advantage of it. Uh, and uh, my five official visits, I went to uh, Bradley, which is in my hometown. I loved Coach Molinari. I went to Indiana with Coach Knight, um, Illinois, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. And each of those places I could see uh, enjoying the, the experience, but I had to figure out what was the right fit uh, for me. And uh, that, that went through the process. Wisconsin, uh, they told me, uh, Coach Bennett, I, I can remember, he came and watched me play, which he, that was something that was unique. Both him and Coach Knight were kind of similar in that. They didn't, their presence on the, the summer circuit wasn't as great. Uh, to, and so when they came to see you, that was kind of special. Um, and they told me that they had one scholarship left. They had four guys signed, and it was between me and Ryan Hogan, uh, who ended up going to Kentucky. And I just, I, at that point, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to go to Wisconsin then. I, I told them, I'm not, I'm going to go through the process. I have, uh, I was fortunate to have options. But uh, I think Ryan, I, I don't even remember the the sequence of events, but I think Ryan went in a different direction and they said they would just hold the scholarship and and what drew me to Wisconsin and there's was coach Bennett um it was different I talked to a lot of different coaches on the phone we didn't have the internet like we do now I had to research programs through media guides uh and try to figure out rosters and what they've done and their coaches and how they utilize players so Talking to coaches were a big deal too to to figure out and try to see what they're saying because, uh, you know, they're they're very good at their job, very good at selling stuff. Uh, but when Coach Bennett got on the phone that first time, I didn't know anything about Wisconsin. Uh, I knew Michael Finley, uh, I saw the style, but I, I didn't. There was nothing that I knew about Coach Bennett, and it was different when he got on the phone. I said, out of all the coaches I talked to, between Coach Bennett and Coach Knight. You could tell they just they saw the game differently. They talked about it, and I was extremely impressed. and And so that's what drew me here uh, to to Wisconsin. Uh, I thought the style of play fit uh, for for my abilities and my <laughs> sometimes lack of athletic abilities. And I thought uh, I loved. I came up here for an unofficial visit. Uh, they played Indiana that year, and. Uh, I saw the two things that I was really impressed upon was Coach Bennett. I thought 
one, if he could take that NA, that team to the NIT, I thought if there was more pieces in place, he could really go far. Uh, because not that that team, not a knock against that team, but you know Sam Oki, I think, led them in every single category as a freshman that year. And you could tell uh, things that were building. They were having the new Cole Center was uh, being built. Uh, the second thing was the fans. We were in the, the old field house, and they were so passionate about an NIT team. And I said, you know, this team, this, this, these fans deserve to see winning basketball. Uh, and so those things uh, were impressed. So every time I came to Wisconsin for an unofficial, for an official visit, I came away knowing that this was the right fit. You know, that's interesting because it's so perceptive of you. You mentioned as a 16, 17-year-old, it's hard not to say, you know, follow your heart or be swayed by, you know, really kind of uh, basic things. And it's really perceptive of you that you seem to really dig down and reflect on what's the best spot for me, where do I feel most comfortable. And I don't think many 17-year-olds have that kind of uh, that kind of foresight. Well, I try, I try to stress this to, to, to kids is, you know, your your parents, your friends, they're not playing. They're not going through that four-year. Uh, this is, you have such a small window. And I never saw myself as an NBA player. So I knew that, you know, when teams came in or coaches said, hey, we can get you to the NBA. And I was like, as a, you know, a coach or as somebody, as a scout, like I, I didn't see myself as a player. And so I really wanted that college experience to be the best it could be and to enjoy it. And uh, and going through the AAU program, and AAU is far different than it was like it is today. It was more uh, elite uh, and, and a smaller circuit. But I realized that if you're not in the right style, uh, there's so much talent out there. And I was blessed to, to be able to see that. You know, I saw, I went to the Adidas camp uh, between my sophomore and junior year. And Kobe Bryant was there. And so I got exposed to these kind of, I was like, there's a lot of talent out here. And, uh, and so, you know, there's, you have to go to a place that that's the best fit for you. And, um, and so that was, I, I was thankful, you know, going through that. I try to stress that to players now is it, even though it's tough, but you kind of know what, what's the best fit and you want to go through the process and not get sold on, you know, if, it, if coach came in and guaranteed me playing time, I said, no, how could you do that? You know, there's, you can't guarantee me. You can show me an opportunity to play, but if you're guaranteeing me, I know you're guaranteed 40 other players too. So that doesn't really, the math doesn't really add up. So those are things that I tried to be aware of or conscious of going through the process. You you mentioned coach Bennett. We're going to talk a lot about him on this podcast, but you did sneak in coach Knight and take an official visit to you, uh, to Indiana Mm -hmm. favorite coach Knight story in terms of your recruitment. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I, there was the one that I guess would stand out. Um, well, there's, I guess the two quick, one quick, and then one, one, one that made me laugh. One was we went through and he was showing me through assembly hall and we came across, uh, a, an older, uh, woman that came through with her daughter and she asked coach Knight for directions to like the library, obviously didn't know who he was. <laughs> The daughter's face was just shocked, and Coach Knight couldn't have been nicer. And didn't even, and, and as they're walking away, you can hear the daughter kind of get to his, her mom, like, Don't you know who that was? You know, and she just viewed him as a nice person. Um, but they had a scrimmage after a football game, and being in Indiana, they had a scrimmage, and there's like nine, ten thousand people that showed up to the scrimmage. I think there was more people at the scrimmage than the football game. <laughs> And he was down there and he had one player and I don't remember the name, but um, there's a coach that was, I think it was a overseas player and they had a coach that was kind of like a translator and he brought him onto the floor and he said, can you explain to him in, in his language, you know, why this was wrong? Because he sure doesn't understand English and the 10,000 people were laughing and uh, he had that, that factor that just, I mean, commanded attention and uh, it was unique. And that was another thing that was hard to, <laughs> it was, it was hard to say no to that. Um, uh, but uh, again, the one thing about coach Bennett though, was it was obvious how much other coaches respected him because throughout that whole process, there was not another coach that when other coaches heard I was interested in Wisconsin, every single one of them, including coach Knight was like, said such positive things about coach Bennett. And that, 
uh, was obvious. I mean, it, it, and it was it was impressive to me that uh, that was a different level of respect that coaches had for him. Yeah. And so you obviously you end up at Wisconsin. I want to get a sense of just you come from Peoria, great basketball in Peoria, but now you're playing in the Big Ten. So describe for us kind of your freshman season and your first taste of Big Ten basketball. What were some of the biggest adjustments you had to make and the biggest things you had to learn? You know, maybe it was the first practice or the first workout session or when you realize like, wow, I'm at a different level. Take us through just kind of that that kind of integration process to Big Ten mm -hmm. basketball. Well, I really thought I wasn't good enough to play uh, when I started out. And if you, hopefully those tapes are burned, but if you saw the first two exhibition games, I got booed coming off the court uh, by my own fans. <laughs> and, and those Wisconsin. fans that made you come there, huh? Oh my gosh. Well, was, and they were rightfully so. Uh, I, it was, we played the exhibition games. I wasn't playing great. Uh, there was, I thought about red shirting. Um, Coach Bennett was outstanding, uh, and I remember then going into Marquette was our first game, and I was the last guy to get in the game. Like it was, he went through everybody else, and then he was like, ah, "I guess we got to try this kid." And so that was, uh, and I was able to go in and compete, and that was, you know, a positive thing. And I had a, uh, so that experience. But my first uh, test or taste of Big Ten basketball, we played Michigan in the Fieldhouse. And our freshman year did not go the way it should have. Sam Oakey was supposed to be there the whole year. He transferred out. Ty Calderwood was supposed to be our point guard. He sat out with uh, an injury for that season. So when you take those two pieces off of a roster, that's hard for a team. Uh, and I think that team had a chance to be a, a tournament team if those two pieces were there the whole year. But it did give us a chance to get a lot of minutes in and take some hard uh, lessons as well. Uh, but my first taste of Big Ten basketball, we played Michigan at the Fieldhouse. I'm not starting. I'm a bench guy. And Michigan had an outstanding front line. I think they uh, Ward, uh, Maceo Baston, and Tractor Trailer. And so at 6'9", Tractor Trailer was who he was. And, and uh, Maceo Baston, I think, is 6'11". And so Coach, he goes, and I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, wow, this is great. And the Fieldhouse is so loud. And so it was a different type of, of I've never had that kind of uh, volume in a game. So he checks me into the game and I go up and I ask the assistants, well, who am I guarding? And I think uh, Ward was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. Tractor Trailer was, you know, unbelievable. One of the best hands and feet for the guy that size. Maceo Baston's 6'11", athletic as can be. And I come in, I say, who am I guarding? And the assistants kind of gave me the face and like, no... So I asked Coach Ben, I said, who am I guarding? And he said, uh, and he gives, and he just kind of shakes it off. And I'm like, I have to know who I'm supposed to guard. So I, I say it louder. Who am I guarding? He looks out on the floor, sees those three guys, and he just kind of slumps his head. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, well, Ward. And I was like, that's one of the worst shots of confidence going into a game. And I, and I went into there and I remember Ward caught it at the top of the key. And he's a small forward and he kind of smiles. And I'm like, Oh, that's never a good sign when somebody <laughs> smiles. Uh, but I, the last thing I would say it, I got hit with a back screen by a tractor trailer in that game. And it, I've never been, it was like being, you know, drop kicked in the back and shocked with electricity at the same time. And I couldn't, I couldn't let, I couldn't just fall. I tried in the sound I made, but I tried to stay as tough as I can be. But I, I remember running down the court and I said, I have never since been hit with a back screen like that. And, but that was my first game. And I said, well, that's, that's a, a welcome into this league. Who was the teammate who didn't call that one out, huh? I, you know what? I don't fault him because that that was a completely different player. You know, you mentioned uh, Coach Bennett who, and the great respect he had. And, and you seem to talk already very glowingly about him and, and maybe mm -hmm. the important role he played in your life. So what's one word you would use to describe him? In? You know, I'm going to cheat. I'm just going to say uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. And... The reason I say that is, uh, I know if you put up a resume or overall resume, but if you, if the Hall of Fame was based off of what other coaches felt about and the respect level and what they said, the admiration, he would be like a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no question. Um, when you looked at 
how many of his instructional videos uh, do well when they did the polling of what coach would you want to go and see in a clinic. He's always in the top five or three coaches. Um, and the other part is I, I and I'm biased, but uh, I don't think there's a better coach in NCAA history in Division One about building and rebuilding programs because he did it at Green Bay. Uh, he took, I think, the first year. I don't know if he won four, five games. but They were a lowly program, no question. And he turned it into a team that, you know, and I know he left already for Wisconsin, but they beat Jason Kidd in the tournament. Uh, his teams with his son Tony were uh, unbelievable. And then he came to Wisconsin where they made the tournament in 47 and 94, and that was it. So twice in 50 years. And took him to a Final Four, and then he went to Washington State, which if anybody has gone to Pullman, Washington, uh, my wife and I, we were out there for his last year and a half in kind of in a uh, coaching role out there, and not on the staff, but in the program. So we got to see, I mean, in Pullman, Washington, you had to go across the border to Idaho to go to Walmart. Like, it is a very hard place to win in, and it turned it into a top 10 team. And uh, so... Uh, for those factors, I, that's what I, I feel about him. Uh, and I wish he would get the – he doesn't seek it, but I wish uh, there would be more admir- or more uh, acclamation for his, um, his career because I, I think it's uh, very, very well respected. Yeah, very well said there about Coach Bennett. And it, it's worth noting you mentioned his son, Tony, who's, of course, now the current coach at Virginia, national championship coach at Virginia – he was a part of the program when you were at Wisconsin too. So what was a young Tony Bennett like? <laughs> well, he was the best player in our team. <laughs> Without, <laughs> uh, and I, even when I went back a few years later when I was coaching, um, I saw them practice. And this is with Coach Ryan and, and Devin Harris was there. And, and, and Coach Ryan had his assistants playing. And, and Tony was – and he was still the, the best player in the gym. Um, but having him there uh, – to me, and I, I regret this because I, I was a little starstruck because here you got a guy who shot 50%, the NCAA career leader, uh, and the and he, NBA player, and he came in and it was just kind of like, I didn't want to bother him, uh, but how much he, uh, you know, wanted to, to help players and get into coaching. I should have worked with him on my three-point shot early and, and just figured out because... Uh, being with and be, having a chance to be around him and and, and Coach Bennett and, and for, for Tony Bennett allowed me to kind of be a part of some of their, and their programs, I got to see some of that stuff that made him a better shooter. And I became a better shooter uh, when I was a coach than when I was a player because of that. You could see the, the his progress. But he was outstanding, and you could tell um, just the skills that he had. He has that that special it factor to him that uh, draws people. Uh, and he's has a tremendous understanding and feel for the game. Uh, and so those are, those are things you could see, right. But still it was hard not to, to get stars. And then when you saw him shoot the basketball, it made you feel bad, you know, because uh, <laughs> I've seen him walk into the gym, no warm ups, and he could hit 33s in a row. And it's just, and he could shoot uh, without, leaving his feet uh he could shoot from half court and that was a strength that he had uh and it did it made you like well whatever i just i made six out of seven shots that's nothing (laughs) so it did he made you feel bad you talked about a rough uh freshman campaign uh but you move into your sophomore campaign and that's the 1998 1999 season um you guys actually spend much of the season in the top 25 and you make the tournament. You talk about Coach Bennett being this great turnaround artist. You make the tournament, the Badgers, that is, for only the third time since 1947. But the season ends with a disappointing first-round loss to Missouri State. So how did you see that season and how it ended, and how did that change the vibe of the program? You know, we got to taste success early on. We had two senior guards. uh, And – but it started to fall apart down the stretch and we were playing some very inconsistent basketball things that worked for us uh just weren't happening and we stumbled our way into the tournament like it was on i think we lost to iowa in the big 10 tournament like it was 
it was a team on the decline and we were, we were playing uh, our worst basketball at the wrong time. And we went into the tournament though. We thought we could make a jump, but it was a tough matchup. Coach Alford was uh, at Missouri state and we just, our offense was so bad, but what made it worse is we scored 32 points in the tournament. Our football team scored 33 in the Rose bowl. And that headline was everywhere. And it drove us into, uh, really wanting to come back and, and change course. Uh, so it was a different off season. It was, uh, a no frills type of all season, uh, that happens after that kind of, uh, of, of a loss. Uh, but it wasn't an immediate payout the next year that, but thankfully we kind of had an opposite season where we played some of our worst basketball early and then got to the point where we were playing very well at the end. So, yeah. was, so that's that final four season, of course, yes. you're talking about. And you mentioned, you know, the end of your sophomore year, that, that you know, disappointing loss, we'll call it, to, to Missouri State. Um, you guys are motivated. You guys are hitting it hard over the summer. So as the 1999-2000 season ends, or I'm sorry, opens, you know, this is the one that ends in the final four. But what seemed like real realistic expectations for that squad as the season opened? Well, we're very hopeful to compete in the Big Ten, be in the upper part of the Big Ten, um, and be a tournament team. And we felt we had experienced players. We added Roy Boone. Uh, we had John Bryant. Uh, we had some pieces that were added to team guys that have already gone through everything. And on paper, uh, we had a team. Now, we're in a very competitive league. Uh, I think my sophomore year, we had, you know, Northwestern didn't make the tournament. Um but they had an unbelievable team. Like it was, I think we had seven or eight of the 11 teams that were in the top 25. So it was heavy competition. Um, and we had two final four teams in Ohio state and Michigan state in 99, but we still felt we could be an upper half team and make it into the tournament and have that type of season. And it just wasn't going in that we were an NIT team at best. And, um, and so something had to change. So, so let me actually stop you there because I want to give just some context around this. That 2000 team ends up in the Final Four. It does not crack the top 25 once. You drop a mid-January game to Penn State. <laughs> you know, not exactly a basketball powerhouse, but and you guys are sitting at nine and eight overall. You have some win against ranked teams in Texas and Temple and Illinois. You got those on your resume, but there are also losses to Northern Illinois and South Florida as well. So mm-hmm. you mentioned things had to change. What's the turnaround in that season? And what set you guys off from playing, you know, some kind of inconsistent basketball to what prompts that run to what, the great run you guys eventually have? You know, it was, um, we changed our offense and we had done that, you know, a couple, we always in the blocker mover segment, but we had six games left. Coach Bennett said we had to win four out of our six, um, to make it into the tournament we changed the offense where i got to be a mover uh and we changed it to where it it led us to do some different things offensively uh defensively we're very consistent uh but offensively we couldn't string together enough points and i remember we came out against iowa uh and i was like determined to to make this offense work because i you know i got to move side to side top to bottom and and it was i was really uh excited about it we go to iowa i get in foul trouble which i i don't I, I, my coach bennett would say i didn't play defense well enough to get into foul trouble <laughs> and i thought oh that this offense is out the window we'll go back to to our blocker lane lane um and then even coach bennett i think he bumped an official at halftime he got teed up should have got thrown out probably and it was it was that moment in the locker room that it was kind of like our backs couldn't be farther against the wall, and we came out in the second half and we stayed with the offense. Uh, I think we would put together a very impressive uh, defensive stretch where we held them scoreless for a number of minutes, and we won that game. And then through that stretch, the only team we lost to from that point on was Michigan State, all the way to the Final Four. Uh, and so what the offense did was it allowed us to put enough points on the board uh, and it made us hard to beat. And it was kind of a right connection between our defense and, and the offense. We didn't do something that was too un- uncharacteristic that we were taking bad shots or turning the ball over, but it flowed very well. And I think that was 
something that that made this team play at a level that and again I could bias but I I really felt we were the second best team in the country during that stretch uh because we were you know we were a much different team uh and I think we when this program when this team scored enough points without changing the way we played uh we were a hard team to beat you know and so you talk about this little surge to end the season and you end it uh, the regular season, that is, with a, a home win against number 14, Indiana. But you guys are 16-12 and 12 heading into the Big Ten tournament. Now, you help your resume in the tournament by reaching the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, which, you know, you lose to Michigan State. We're going to come back to that <laughs> squad, and that was a tough one for you guys. But as you head in, you know, Selection Sunday in 2000 is not the, you know, the, the big event it is today, but still, it matters. Mm-hmm. Were you guys sweating out Selection Sunday, or did you guys feel you were pretty firmly in the tournament? I felt because of our strength of schedule and coach, and we said we lost to Northern Illinois. Most high major programs mean that's a home loss. No, we went to Northern Illinois and we played them on their their 500th game and they had like a parade and it was not the atmosphere most high major schools. But Coach Bennett with his background, he was like, we're going to go out and we're going to play these teams. So we played Ball State when they had Bonzi Wells. We we went to Green Bay. We went to UW-Milwaukee. Like that was coach's way. But as a player, we were like, Hey, can we have it a little bit easier uh, on the schedule? But our strength of schedule, and then the way that we were playing down the stretch, I felt, you know, in the conference that we're in, it would be hard for us not not to make it. Now, I didn't think we would be rewarded with a, a high seat or anything. I knew we'd be in a challenging spot, but we felt very strongly that that uh, with all those factors that we were in. I thought we could have been in after the regular season, but winning, beating Purdue in the second game of the Big Ten tournament, I think showed that we were a team deserving to be in. Absolutely. And you mentioned you didn't think you'd be rewarded with a, a high seed, and, and you weren't necessarily. You got yeah. an eight seed. You guys open up against Fresno State. That team has NBA talent and has a championship <laughs> coach and Jerry Tarkanian. Um, the, the interesting thing about that game is there's a 23-2 run in the second half that seals that game. So how did that game set up everything else that followed for you guys? You know, I mean, obviously up to that point, our, our team, we hadn't won a game in the tournament. So this was – it wasn't like, oh, we can win this one, look ahead to the next game. This was it for us. This was a, a Super Bowl-type game to get – each game was like that for our team. Uh, and that roster was one of those rosters that you were at the scouting, you start laughing, you know, because they had skipped to my Lou was their Ray for Austin was their point guard. They had the nation's leading scorer and Courtney Alexander. They had the nation's leading rebounder. They had Melvin Eli, who's played in the NBA forever uh, and from Chicago. And uh, so it was like, <laughs> we just looked like, who are you guarding? Like, because <laughs> there was, there was no easy out. And, uh, but the thing that happened in the tournament was teams we were facing teams that didn't haven't seen us or haven't played that kind of style and that the discipline needed to to outlast us. Uh, and they they get the frustration would grow. And then the second half, they went to a zone and they left John Bryan open to shoot. I think it was three or four threes from the same spot, same play. And it was at that stretch open the game. And then they just broke down. And uh, even though they had more talent uh, uh, in their their positions, that that showed us that hey, you know, we have an opportunity here. But then the next game, we were going to face that same kind of roster uh, in Arizona. But it, it was a win that we celebrated, and we were uh, thrilled to to advance and to be a part of that that next game in the tournament. Yeah, so you mentioned that next game in the second round, that's top seeded Arizona. So let's let's you, you mentioned you come out against Fresno State. Well, who are you guarding? You know, there's no easy out. <laughs> that Arizona team. Gilbert Arenas, Richard Jefferson, Luke Walton, Jason Gardner. That team was in the top ten all season. Yet it's the Badgers who control that game. Arizona only leads once, and that's at <laughs> two to nothing. What's the story of that game? Oh my gosh! Well, one of the stories is of those four guys you mentioned. The time we, the most we spent on our scouting report was on Michael Wright, was their uh, Chicago, Chicago, yeah, (laughs) and he was the one the coach was concerned with because we had a double, and then by doubling him, we, I mean, you were leaving Jefferson and and Renus on the on the perimeter open, and uh, but the story, I think that team was young, 
uh, and that was a huge factor. Um, and they hadn't seen our style of play. There was no team, if I can recall, there's no team in the Pac-10 at that time that played similar style to us. So they have gone a long stretch without seeing a team that did what we did. And, and it was frustrating for them. Things that were easy, uh, the style of play and the flow of the game was different. And the frustration is the same story. The frustration kept mounting in the second half. Now, they were extremely talented, so they were able to make a little late surge at the end. But, we, you know, most of the game, we were up double figures. And uh, so we commanded, then they came back. I think we ended up maybe winning by seven. But uh, I think that was a similar pattern that we saw teams that came in. And you could see at some point in that second half, that frustration would boil over. Things that were accustomed to just, just weren't available. And they had to... Uh, it was just a different style, a different type of game. Uh, and so that's where I think experience played a heavy factor in that game. You know, and it seems like a similar story plays out then in the Sweet 16. You're facing LSU. That's a team ranked 10th in the nation at the close of the regular season. You guys hold them to 14 points in the first half. You go on to win 61-48. It seems one of the themes of at least these first three games is teams not taking Wisconsin as seriously as they should and certainly not being familiar with your guys' style. Is is that LSU game really another example of that? Is that really the theme of those first three games? I would think I, – I definitely would say so. And, and I think if I had to compare – uh, you know, our style, Wisconsin style, if you look at, uh, and we're completely different, but if you look at Syracuse with their zone, our schools, our programs, it seems to be better when we face high major teams in the tournament because most of those teams, that you don't generally face a conference team early in the tournament. So you get the advantage of playing a high major team that hasn't seen, they haven't played against the zone or they haven't played against the pack defense. And it's that's why it's not a surprise to when Syracuse is the lower seed that they advance because they're playing high major teams. Uh, and I think some of the, the opposite is true. Sometimes when our style plays, like we struggled in the year before and the year after, uh, and if you look at Virginia's program, sometimes those hardest games are the earth first ones because <laughs> until you get into where you have that advantage with your style against high major, because when you're playing – teams that you have to adjust to as well because they might have a six five four man or they might have a different lineup than what you've seen your whole conference season. I think some of that plays into it. And the other part um, was the the veteran uh, play. You know, we had an older team that had gone through the hard – it wasn't an older team that sat the bench for two years. We had guys that played as freshmen. So that that helped. Uh, LSU was the, the best example of that because – they were screaming and cursing at each other in the uh, uh, second half. And when that happened, it was a complete, uh, we felt we had broken them down, like broke their will. And, and that uh, in those three games, there, there was some similarity to it. And the other thing is it wasn't like we were the cardiac kids. Like we were beating these teams soundly. Um, and it wasn't like these wild upsets. Uh, and I think all those factors kind of played into that. You know, it's interesting. You were pretty diplomatic about this, but up until that point, those first three games, those three teams in Fresno State, Arizona, and LSU, your teammate Mike Kelly would later term them, quote, soft. Oh. <laughs> <But> that, <laughs> those are his words. Um, wow. But that doesn't apply to the team you face in the Elite Eight, and that's Purdue. Yes. You talk about this is a team that's familiar with you. In many ways, plays a very similar style. If not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not the same plays and things like that. But it, they know Big Ten basketball. You're not going to surprise them, and you're you're staring across from them. What's your level of confidence going into the Purdue game? Uh, I mean, you, there's some benefits to familiarity because you know, with all those previous three teams, the talent that you saw on tape when the scouting would come on, you were like, okay, like Stromile Swift. I mean, there's somebody six nine who could touch the top of the backboard like we hadn't seen that all year so there's some of that unknown but on the other side of it you know what you're going in for um and there's no surprises and so this was going to be a heavyweight fight and we're in the in uh, new mexico with the, the altitude and everything that went into that game you knew the physicality was going to be there uh and we also had what made it unique was that uh not only had two conference teams playing but 
you know, Coach Katie across the sideline was nearing the end of his career. Uh, and Coach, we had two coaches that had not been to a Final Four. And mm-hmm. so, and Purdue had, you know, Coach Katie had amazing teams going through. Uh, but Coach Bennett and Coach Katie, you could tell there was a different feel about this is kind of like the the one shot here. And so that even added even more emotional aspects to this. They had a senior uh, veteran team. We had a veteran team. Um, so it, you knew that was good. It was just a, a different type of Elite Eight game. You mentioned Coach Bennett on the doorstep of the Final Four. And from what I heard about him, he would talk a lot about not winning a national title. He would talk about getting to the Final Four. It seemed like that was kind of where his mind was his his ultimate goal as a coach it, it kind of seemed reading some backstory in him so when he's there what do you recall maybe about his pregame speech in Albuquerque or just the vibe <laughs> around him as you're heading into this elite eight game and this is this is his shot you know he his speech and it's funny because like he, I don't remember what was said I remember it was a coach that was so was honest in how he was feeling and how much this would mean to him and seeing quality basketball on the floor. And I, I remember earlier, not, not in that pregame speech, like he even said that he would give his right arm to coach in the final four. And so it was something that I don't, I don't know if he felt it was obtainable at that time uh, with that program. Maybe that program would, would get the kind of players that, that could put him in that position. But uh, so it was almost like he didn't, he displayed a, his passion and his desire and what it would mean. And it was a speech that it was tough because there was a long ramp to go back to the, to the floor. And it was, you were so on an emotional pitch that you were like, okay, now we got to kind of recollect. So that, that walk helped to, to get us back into a mindset because if you just left it, it was a, it was a very emotional locker room uh, before a game. And but we knew what we were heading into, and I think if we were a younger team, I'm sure you would. Uh, it might have been different, but we had guys that that knew what we we're kind of getting into, uh, and so when that that tip happened, uh, I think we were ready to go. But that that speech was powerful uh, of a coach that really had a, a strong desire and and to to have an opportunity to coach in the Final Four and deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I want to take you to something you've said about that game. It is the most intense game I've ever been a part of. What do you mean by that? Because you talked earlier about getting hit by a tractor trailer. <laughs> so yes. what, what does intensity feel like in that game? Why is that the most intense game you ever played in? I think with everything that was on the line, but that added factor too of we wanted it for Coach Bennett as bad. You know, just obviously you'd want to go to a Final Four regardless, but we wanted to give that experience to Coach Bennett. But on the other sideline, they wanted to give it to Coach Katie. Uh, and so if every possession was, uh, in fact, that it was the fourth time we were playing that year. Every possession from the tip to there, it was everything. It seemed like there was so much weight on every, and you know, for us, we have never been in that position. Other teams that have been to Elite Eights, it would not be that way because they would have more experience. We felt that any mess up, any missed rebound something could cost us a final four so our intensity was there and i think the best example of that is and i and i the years go on you, you might not be 100 percent correct but i believe we were up four in the last possession we we're on defense typically a team that's up four is playing not to foul and to try to not give them an easy three and if you watch that and i, I don't uh we were so into the moment we played defense like it was zero zero, and I can remember that possession because it was not the way most teams would defend in that situation. But we were the same defense intensity. The shot goes up, it's missed, and I forget who gets the rebound. If it was Kowski, probably, and it just took us a second to like jolt out of it before we realized the game was actually over because uh, there was no like pre celebration or no. It, it, you can see that, and I think. Those are signs of why that game was was different for us. I'm sure there's many other Elite Eight games that players have played in that would say, but I think they had some unique aspects to it. The setting, uh, the the two coaches on the sideline, and the teams that were involved. 
And just, it seems like the focus that was involved there, you know, sports psychologists always talk about being in the zone. It seemed you, you give that example of the last possession and maybe not understanding all the circumstances around it. I mean, you understand it intellectually in the terms of, you know, the clock's winding down and, you know, but just the intense focus that that game seemed to require. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game's over. You're on the winning side. Wisconsin's first final four birth in 59 years. What's the aftermath like? <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I don't, sometimes there was moments where it was like people that have never been in that situation. That's you could tell that from our team. Cause we, we had some guys that ran up and jumped on a scores table. It collapsed. Uh, we had, we were kind of running around. We didn't have like, you see like Duke or Carolina, those make their 90th final four. Like there's a, they're expected and they know what to do. And their coaches, we were just, it was, everything was so new. And I, I the celebration was great. Um, it was just, uh, we're still kind of in shock too. Uh, and then seeing coach Bennett was great too. I, I had, in that mist, we had a chance to uh, to embrace, and um, it was just it was good to see uh, that kind of validation and of of what he's done and what he's accomplished. And then for us, like it was a dream. Uh, it was a dream to 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 be in a team to make a Final Four, to get the hat and the the T shirt, you know, like that. <laughs> now they have all the confetti and everything added to it, but the hat and the T shirt, and then getting a part of that net. Um, that seemed like it was a, you, you know, a little bit of like a movie experience. Like that, that wasn't real. Uh, and it didn't really feel real for that, that time frame. but it was, it was unique experience and, uh, very, very blessed to have opportunity to, to enjoy that. And what are those next couple of days? You guys, when you guys get back to Madison from Albuquerque, what are those next couple of days in Madison like for you? It was uh, I, I try to say it was a little bit like seeing a little bit of, uh, of a celebrity type lifestyle because we, you know, obviously there was a lot of attention playing at a Big Ten school, but then you start getting more like we had Bob Ryan come into the Cole Center to interview us. Like it was, you start getting the national and, uh, you know, we had CBS that were doing things in between that to prepare for the final four for their coverage. And it was different type. We had people that would come up and and have like glossy photos of our team for autographs. And I was like, where'd you get that photo? <laughs> it was, it was really nice. So we had those kind of moments. Uh, the, the scene coming back to Madison was special because they told us the football field, uh, there's, they're going to take us to the football field. And when we flew back in, uh, the lights were on the football field, but it was empty. And we were thinking we're going to show up, and there's going to be nine people there. Uh, but we're still, everybody was real excited. And they took us in the bus and we ran out and we saw it was like 30,000, 25, 30,000 people on the other side of that stadium at midnight. Um, that was that was unique and special as well. A lot of fun. But then it turned to, you know, uh, let's figure out a way to try to win this. Um, we were playing very good basketball. Uh, and so that focus turned now to figure out you know, Michigan State had been there the year before. They had experience. They've been through this. But can we figure out a way to win? So you, as you kind of allude to, in, the, in, in Indianapolis for the Final Four, you faced Michigan State again. They've mm-hmm. beaten you three times that season. What made that Spartan squad so tough? You know, well, first there was a block charge call in their Iowa State game that could have made us infamous. Oh, if that we had Paul Shirley on the podcast discussing that, uh, so yeah, and not not that Iowa State was going to be anything, but I thought we would have matched up better uh, with a Tinsley Pfizer type matchup than Michigan State. What made them unique and special, and I, I think they're one of the the better champions that that the NCAA has had in the 2000s was their ability to change styles. Uh, Not many teams, what they did in the Final Four, they beat us at our game, and then they turned around and ran Florida off the floor. And I can't remember too many championship teams that could change like that. And they didn't have a weakness. Uh, They they had a player, Morris Peterson, that could score – when scoring wasn't available, he could make his own uh, shots. Uh, they had 
uh, a point guard who was outstanding in distributing the ball. They had tough guys. They played their roles well. They're extremely well coached. But I thought that team's ability to change, because um, there's a lot of, obviously you have to have talent to win, but that ability there, they have veteran leadership, uh, made them a, a special team. And it was unfortunate that we had, to, they weren't either on the other side of the bracket or that, you know, Iowa State game, but uh, they were truly deserving of uh, winning the whole thing. You know, we talked earlier about how maybe LSU, Arizona, well, not maybe, they did uh, maybe underestimate you guys. Um, mm-hmm. But that wasn't going to happen with Michigan State. You know, they knew what you guys were doing. And that was, as you say, a tough-minded veteran team with NBA talent. That game, that that Final Four game, it's 1917 at the half, though. So you're you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. What are you guys thinking at ha- at halftime? What's the plan as you head out to the second half? And I know uh, people got on us, you know, for that score. But, uh, you know, I would much rather have had our experience in the Final Four than Marquette's with Dwayne Wade. I think, uh, I, if I recall right, they maybe lost by 30 to Kansas in the Final mm-hmm. Four. Um, like, we were hey, down. You, to... you got 20 minutes to go and you're, yes. you're there. I mean, it's a two-point game. That, that's down. what I think anyone <laughs> wants in the Final Four. Yeah. Right? I mean, the fans and the, all that, uh, you know, uh, that aren't familiar with us uh, may have been upset with the 1917 score, but we're down two to the eventual national champions. We had to figure out a way to score more, obviously, um, and it was tough. And the difference in that stretch, I think Morris Peterson made a stretch where I think he scored seven points and extended the game. And then we were in a position that we just couldn't, or we had to score in ways that that weren't to our strengths and so we end up losing by i think by 12. um and uh that was tough michigan state you know that was the one team that didn't try to do anything you know they always they still tried to run uh their their break but they they didn't try to do anything different to to they just outlasted they were willing to outlast us um and willing to use their and just kind of say okay we'll play your game and we'll see how how many points you end up with at the end, because uh, they had guys uh, that that could put the ball in the basket. But um, yeah, that was it was tough because going back, you know, obviously individually, I did, did no nothing to help us score. Uh, I wish going back in, I could have been a better offensive player at that game to give us a chance to be in it down the stretch. Um, and, and individually, that was a failure on my part. But I, as a team, I, I think that was that was a point. Second half, that was, I think, the story was Morris Peterson being able to extend that game from a one possession or two possession game to multiple possession game. Yeah, well, he, you know, he didn't enjoy a long NBA career because he sucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, and as you mentioned, it, it's a 12 point loss for you guys, 53 41. So, you did pick up the scoring in the second half, it's just they really picked it up. Yes. Um, take us into the locker room after that game. You know, it was. It, we were disappointed. We we thought we we had a shot to to maybe crack the the code on Michigan State, but it, it wasn't as uh, heartbreaking uh, as I uh, I would assume. You know, being if we were in the losing end of the Elite Eight, we felt we reached a level and accomplished some things that even beyond our expectation. Um, and so when it was done, it was kind of that feeling like there's still a disappointment of losing, but it wasn't as bad uh, because of where we were at that time. And, and I think in that game, in that setting, and then to see them the next night do what they did against an extremely talented Florida team, you, you got a sense that we lost to the national champions and we lost and the best team won that tournament. Uh, so those things, you know, if we were, if we felt we were better or something, it might've been a little different, but it made us uh, feel grateful that, we were in that position and got to experience what we did that, that tournament. You know, in that run of that 2000 team, that really transforms perspectives about Wisconsin and what's possible for basketball in Madison. And of course that the program has enjoyed a remarkable success since then. And and many point to the 2000 team as the one that really redefined what Wisconsin basketball could be. So when you reflect on that run here today, 20, you know, 22 years later, what does it mean to you? 
Well, uh, one thing I think it um, solidifies uh, Coach Bennett's, you know, his his legacy. And I think, you know, when Virginia won the national championship for Tony Bennett, you know, that, that it does something for you, you know. So anybody that tries to criticize or say you could do it this way or that way, those kind of things uh, help to, to kind of say, no, this is <laughs> it was done the right way. Um, and I think that's, that's what the Final Four did. But for the, the program in Wisconsin, one of the things, like I said, that drew me to their Wisconsin was the fans and how passionate they were. And, and you saw the change in football when Barry Alvarez came and they extended. Very similar with Coach Bennett. Like he brought the one style, I believe, that's going – because I think Wisconsin went through every different style you can get to try to be successful before Coach Bennett. And he brought the blueprint that said, this is how you win here. Uh, and it's been altered, you know, we've, he said kind of like coach Bennett built the house, coach Ryan got to redecorate it, you know, and now coach guard too gets, uh, but the blueprints very similar, uh, where you got guys that understand the value of the basketball, uh, they work for good shots, uh, and they, they work defensively, um, and they have high character guys and, I think that blueprint, like in football, they've had some coaching changes in basketball too, and and that's we're proud of that. You know, when I came here, it was fifty years, two tournaments, uh, and then we made it. They made it the year before I got here. And then from '99, I think they had a twenty-year run of tournaments, um, and what they're doing this year, it's it's very very uh, you know uh, thankful that the fans of Wisconsin get you know there's kids today that are even on that roster that know nothing but winning Wisconsin basketball. And that's, uh, that's something that, that we take pride that we're a part of. Yeah. I think that culture shift, when that happens, I've talked with Casey Calvary, who was a part of the Gonzaga team that really set off their run, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that culture shift, I think when you're a part of that, I think the, the Badgers of today, the fans, they owe a great, uh, a great amount of respect to the team and what you guys pulled off there in 2000. So Mark, before we get out of here, I just want to close out the show with some quick kind of run-and-gun style questions, a little bit different than your Badgers offense, okay? (laughs) So um, you ready? Let's go with this. Who was the heart of Wisconsin's 2000 Final Four team? Um, Who made that team go? I would say – it was it was our the pillars of of Coach Bennett. Um, I think it's our team exemplified. Uh, I know this is not as run and gun as maybe like, but this is how we we work at Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> but I think the pillars guys that went out there that that played for each other. Uh, and and as easy as that sounds, that's not always the case. We have a lot of guys that like to grab stat sheets. Um, we didn't have a team like that, so we had guys that that wanted to win for each other and played for each other. Gotcha. Let's use up the shot clock on these. Okay. Okay? <laughs> no. um, all right. Obviously, Cole, great place to play. We know it's one of the toughest arenas to play in in the country. What is the coolest arena you played in, not named Cole? Mm. The barn in Minnesota. You got the raised uh, floor, the set, the set up, and you got a huge well, – when I played, they had a huge Kevin McHale poster on the wall. <laughs> so that was – I always loved that atmosphere. That's awesome. The wildest opposing fans. Michigan State. Uh, they did it the right way. They put the fans down on the floor and they put the donors a little bit higher. Uh, <laughs> and they, their their student section was was ready and, and well-researched when they came on the floor. So you heard some very unique things during warm-ups. All right. I'm going to take a detour here really quick. Tell me about the Orange Crush at Illinois since you did not go there. And many of those guys knew you. How rough was that? It, it was it was it was different. It was a little intense, uh, the, and they put their fans right around the edge at that time, which was a horrendous atmosphere for the opposing team and dangerous because you had you were doing layups and you were you know six feet from the fans, and they I thought there was only a matter of time before something would happen. But they they had some very unique uh, uh, sayings, and and they were they knew what to try to get under my skin. <laughs> Gotcha. How did your girlfriend, now wife, did she go to those games and how did yes. she kind of respond to some of this environment? Well, it was, it was tough. I mean, my dad, his whole closet's orange and blue um, with Illinois stuff. And, and so it was, it was difficult. And I had friends that were there and, uh, but it was hostile uh, atmosphere. And, and some of that, you know, it's, it's 
part of it, but then, you know, those are great experiences too. You can, you can look at it and try to take it personally, but I, I just enjoyed it because that, that kind of, that was the atmosphere I was hoping to be a part of. Um, but they, they were intense and, and they had really good teams my junior and senior year. So that didn't make it very easy either. Gotcha. The most impressive opponent you ever played against. Oh gosh. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot that, that come to mind. If you look at some of the guys that had the best careers, you know, like a Zach Randolph, even though he's there for like one year. Um, uh, but, you know, Bonzi Wells, uh, we went, he had to go to Ball State. I think he dropped 33 on us when they beat us. Um, I, he, he did everything in that game. And to score 33 on us is very hard to do, <laughs> um, especially in that year. And Some teams don't score 33. No. <laughs> and he did that. And I, he still has a dunk that uh, in my mind is still an unbelievable where he took it with one hand to two back to one and dunked it. And I thought that's a different player. You know, it was hard. To, it was, you couldn't match up with them. He was just one of those guys that unless you had a clone of him out there, you, you couldn't guard him. Mark, you've been so kind hearted throughout all this presentation, but I want to know this. Who was the team you took the most pleasure in beating? You know, I said enough about Michigan State, even though it's still hard. Uh, Illinois would be another one, just because they had they had three guys from Peoria Manual who who beat us, um, and uh, in in high school. So it was even at, for all those that that went into it uh, to beat Illinois was uh, just a little bit added because you were you were kind of winning for Wisconsin and also for East Peoria as well. That's awesome. Well, let's close it there, Mark. Thanks for joining us here on the 199 Pod podcast to talk Wisconsin Badger Hoops, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 199 Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And while you're at it, leave us a rating or review. Five stars only, like the basketball camp. We also have links to all of 199 social media so you never miss a release. Until next time, 